Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome, our valued podcast listeners. It's Raider Nick, and joining me once again are the media boys, Batman and Robin, Benny Pollock, Tommy Logan. Jets, how are we? Yeah, good, thanks, Nick. Great to be here again, and uh, always great to be here after a big Raiders win, particularly in the way that it all went down there on Sunday afternoon at GIO. Great performance, great team performance, and most importantly, plenty of confidence uh, to give the boys something to, uh, to cheer about as we head towards the back end of the year. Absolutely. Basting in the afterglow of a great win. We'll replay that win. We'll talk about that. We'll preview another home game, another big game against the Bunnies. Forever Green segment, uh, a special one this week. I talked to the patron, the man behind it all. His dad was behind it all, but he helped him. John McIntyre, we call him JR, and plenty more. So stick around. It's the official Cam Raiders podcast. Come join us as we go Behind the Limelight. Raiders 14, the Sydney Roosters 12. What a win that was. First, gents, what a day it was. Of course, Ricky Stewart Foundation, autism awareness round. Stuff was happening in the court. It was a great emotional build-up to the game. Of course, what happened in the sheds beforehand. Look, I spoke to the boys afterwards, and they all mentioned that, about Emre's mum having a chat, and everyone was kind of all vibing about that. I spoke to you Sunday night about that whole thing. I knew what was coming, and I still teared up, man. That was just so heartwarming and great to see. And congratulations, of course, uh, for capturing that and showing that. And it just shows the Canberra Raiders. I say this with green eyes, but, geez, we're far ahead when it comes to doing stuff like that in the game. Yeah, it was great. Um, Ricky, um, we sat down with him, Tom and I, at the start of the season, and we said to him we want to we want to try and give fans a bit uh, of a better insight into some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes here. And uh, Ricky's very open to that sort of stuff. He knows the importance of club um, involvement and and uh, you know making sure that the the culture of the place is really on show. And um, little videos like that on the weekend, although it mightn't have seen much at the time. Um, we were fortunate enough to capture that vision and uh, as Tom um, noticed when we put it up it just uh, it went viral from there so it was great to, to be a part of that and um, I know that um, the, the club um, really wants to try and do as much as they, for their fans as they can and that's a great way for us to do it. Yeah, yeah I've got to say uh, that's probably the the, the most special moment I've ever been a part of in, in rugby league and um, as soon as that happened uh, I didn't want to say anything afterwards but I just thought you know good luck Roosters trying to stop this team now after what's just happened in the sheds and I think it definitely reflected on the field. Let me ask you both you've been at the club for a long time now Ben you've been here for a couple of years is that the most emotionally driven pre-game you've seen in a Raiders shed? By a mile, I think, and that includes some finals appearances. Uh, it, it was because it was unscripted and nobody really expected it. I mean, I've seen Rick um, um, deliver some really passionate um, motivational addresses before that's just got the boys absolutely pumping going into a game. But it was a little bit different on the weekend because, you know, everyone in that room's got a mum. They know what it means to them, to to for what they've achieved, and and I think everybody sat back in that room that played in that game, and just took a moment to reflect on what it means to their parents, um, and what it was like for them when they made their debut. So, um, it was pretty emotionally charged. If you look in the um, in the background there, guys like Joey Lailua and um, and that in the background there, they were like fighting back the tears as um as it all happened. And look, I well, thought their parents. 
Exactly you're right. A parent, and me yeah. as a parent as well, Tom, you'll get there soon. <laughs> but as a parent, you feel that you do. A whole you new do. wave of whole it's new just level so of good to too, see. And, and you really feel for her, like you're just really exactly right. emphasizing the mum and just like the emotions that she was going through. Yep. It was just. I'm just glad that that the, the rest of the the Raiders supporters were able to see it. Tommy, that you know that experience probably the most emotionally driven pre-game you've ever seen yeah 100 percent. obviously uh i'm not uh, as experienced as benny so uh i don't have a, as many years to sort of reflect on but that would take some beating um it was just such an awesome moment and like ben said you know that's exactly what we've been trying to sort of deliver to our fan base you know just that behind the scenes sort of stuff that a lot of fans from other clubs might not necessarily be able to see so i think that that's what made it even like extra special well, for it's us. It's funny, we just mentioned off air there. You spend so much time getting that camera right, getting your lenses right, getting your audio right, and the stuff that goes viral is the stuff straight off the, uh, the smartphone. <laughs> Another one too, gents. For me personally, I was involved with some stuff with the foundation, with the club as well, and then obviously working there with the radio. And being involved in those activities and getting the wind, I walked away on Sunday just on a high. How rewarding and how and how how great that was! I can't imagine it is for you guys that do it every week. How you've got blood, sweat, and tears in the week rolling into a home game, and then to walk away like that. And I saw you there tweet on social media there, Benny, about the uh, the dream team performance at halftime. Another, I shed a tear with that as well, seeing just the happiness and the passion in the air, the round of applause. Wow! There's no better advertisement for what this club's all about than what happened down there on Sunday afternoon. Uh, everything to do with uh, Ricky Stewart Foundation, obviously the links there with Wow. Way. We've got an international company that's our major sponsor, but have such an emotional investment in this club and have done for a number of years. It's just an amazing thing. Um, everybody that was at the ground, the standing ovation for those kids that performed at halftime, um, having the super squad guys down there on field pre-game, they watched themselves on the big screen, um, how excited they were. They lined the tunnels for the game. Uh, obviously, uh, all the emotion around the jersey and then the stuff that happened in the sheds pre-game. Look, Honestly, you get home at the end of the night and you're just emotionally drained by the occasion. But they are the moments that you, why you work in this game and why you work for this club. Because when you get things like that that can happen, um, and I went into that game on the weekend, you know, with no expectations of um, any of that sort of stuff being so powerful, and it, just the way that it come off, it's a full club effort. I know the work that these guys um, in the marketing end of the building put into putting a game day on a game day on every week, and um, it might not seem significant to you when you walk through the gate, but there's a lot of time and effort that goes into putting those games on every week, and um, from Jace Matthew um, down to the rest of the staff in the office here, you know they work really hard on putting it together. Yeah, and the fact that they played the team coming first, the Roosters, who actually were playing to, to go outright first, who are an experienced football team, the likes of Cooper Cronk and Boyd Cordner, they want to win their premiership. They were coming here to win, and the fact that we went pound for pound, round for round, and hung on and beat them by two, it was just beside all the wonderful activities and events happened that day, we got the two points against the mighty Roosters. Look, three from three in the Ricky Stewart Foundation jersey. Yeah, and, you know, when it comes to sport, at the end of the day, um, most of the time, you know, supporters and fans' eyes, the W is all that matters, and you know that's the nature of the game. And uh, and we're no different here. We want to see the win more than anyone else has, um, each week. But um, for the for that to happen, and and the boys to play in a, in a fashion that got themselves the win at the end of the game, we scored one try um, to two. The, the Roosters scored two. We we 
kicked a few penalty goals and, and edged our way in front that way. And um, I thought Sam Williams um, uh, and Blake Austin did a did a pretty good job out there in uh, managing the game with Josh Hodgson as well. Um, and they and they got us to a win, and that's what we needed to do. And I, and I hope that that takes some confidence into this weekend. Round 24 brings us to GA Stadium once again. And a bit of a sentimental time. Gents, it's the last home game for the season. It's come so quickly, but what a game to go and watch. Another team in form, South Sydney. Looks like uh, Greg Inglis has been picked. So he's worth the ticket price in itself, a potential future immortal. But on the back of last week, a Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock, perfect time. Yeah, that's right. Match day sponsor, Denman Prospect, bringing you all the action there this weekend, including the presentation of the... Uh, homes for homes check at the end of the of the game. I think it's sort of over twenty five thousand dollars now, with a you know approaching ninety thousand for the three seasons that we've done this promotion. So well done to them for being part of it, and uh, hopefully the boys can score a few points on the weekend to go to that. It's also members appreciation round down there on the weekend. So with twenty thousand members in the books this year, it's um it's all about highlighting uh, their contribution to the game. Uh, a part of that will be. Another seventeen and a half thousand dollars given away by Osbrokers Canberra to take it to a total of a hundred k for the year. So um, Greg Johnson and the team there giving us an opportunity to, to give away plenty of cash. Uh, so that's another uh, thing to get down there for. There's member activations happening all day. We've got members lining tunnels. We've got the presentation of player worn jerseys post game. Members only signing session up in the grandstand in the West Lounge after the game. So no excuses. Get out there. And uh, I don't think South have played here, Tom, for four years. So I'm sure. Plenty of South fans will want to get out there and check it out as well. Yeah, I, it's been a long time since they've obviously played in Canberra. Um, there'll probably be quite a few that turn up. You know, I think the last time since they came here, the Sharks hadn't won a premiership. Nicky Kotrick was probably playing junior footy for down in Tugger and all. Um, so it's been a long time since they've come out. And also, it's a triple header as well. So we've got Jersey Flag and ISP action on beforehand. So no excuses. Get out there. It's going to be a cracking day to finish the, the season at home. And joining us for the second time this year, Nick Cottridge, and fresh from his debut last week, Mr. Emre Gula. G'day, boys. G'day, guys. What's happening? Yeah, Emre, we'll start with you, mate. Obviously, the last time we had you in on the podcast, you um, were yet to play first grade. Uh, yeah. You had the opportunity on the weekend. And what was it like? Um, yeah, it was really exciting. Um, when I first ran out there, I was like, well, you know, I'm actually in the game. And then, yeah, I had my first carry, or like, you know, I felt fine, like I was into it. So, yeah, it was pretty good. You got on the field pretty early too. Now, most people probably expected you to come on during the second half, but you got out there midway through the first half, had a good stint, and then finished off with another good stint in the second half. I think you played 28 minutes all up. It must have been really good to get that under your belt. Yeah, um, I think Ricky wanted to get me on early, so I'm not, you know, sitting around on the bench real nervous. Um, so it was good that he got me out there early so I just got got my first carry and you know done what I had to do so yeah it was good What was it like mate uh, the first hit up compared to coming from the Mounties level was it uh, how big was it running back in, back in the line in defence so did, did it tire out the engine quickly Yeah I, I think in like first five minutes I was like wow so different you know like it just really hit me and then sort of got myself together and I was like alright we're in this now you know so yeah just kept going from there There's been a lot of coverage about it but obviously the the lead up to the game with your mum and dad in, and your family in the sheds presenting your jersey. I mean, I was in the room. Nick was there too. It was pretty emotional, wasn't it? It was a, just a, a really special moment. Yeah, it was. It was really special for me. Um, family is a big thing for me. And um, having my mum present that jersey was really important to me and my family. So it was good. Nick, there was a few 
few tears in the sheds there. A few boys were pretty emotional when they saw that jersey presentation. What was it like for you sitting there? Did, did it take you back to you, you making your debut not that long ago? Yeah, it was definitely emotional. I was happy for Emre too. Like it was just a great moment, you know. You see his mum, how proud, proud the family is of him to, for debuting in his game, and it was, yeah, it was a special moment for the boys, and it ramped us up for the game. Like I, was, I just couldn't wait to play. It was a good feeling. Now that video, it's gone viral. It's been used on a television outlet. It's been used all over the media. Your parents, they're on a kebab store. Of course, we mentioned What's Up Brothers in Bankstown. Where's the other one? Yeah, in Gregory Hills, the other shop. Mentioned on the call with the Sydney boys. He's starting to get a lot of uh, vibe around. Uh, yeah. We just did a news bit just then, and they were asking about it. Yeah. Mate, yeah, you might have to open another shop after the back after <laughs> Mate, last week. I think everyone loves snack packs and <laughs> kebabs. <laughs> now, is this the place where you boys go after each Sydney game? Is you swing past there? And- yeah, some sometimes they swing past, or we cater for the boys. We bring it to the bus, and yeah. well, <laughs> the, the Instagram boys, Instagram stories are on fire when you go past the What's Up Brothers. The boys are into the packs and and ripping in pretty hard. Nick. You a fan? Yeah, I love going there. I always get the heart attack box or the snap, snap back, whatever it's called. Apparently, Bordy was saying it's sick, but he can't finish it. Yeah, it's well, that much of a surf. Yeah, we pack it up. Yeah, it. for the boys, we make sure that you know they're not they're not going hungry. So yeah, we pack <laughs> yeah. it up. Nick, That's it, the European in your parents. Yeah. Okay. He must love. Yeah, you gotta eat. Yeah. You gotta eat. Nick, you must Skill love bugs. having um. Emre and the team, you know, having another one of the young guys coming in. Obviously, um, you made your debut at such a young age, and to have some guys now pushing up like Merch and Emre, um, and having someone you know close to your age in there, it must be good for you, a good feeling as well. Yeah, definitely, it's a great feeling having someone like Emre and even Merch come through too. I remember playing against Emre actually in the juniors. I was in the um, Harold Matthews SG boy. We played Rabbitohs, and yeah, we played against each other, and we um, really met each other on the 15s at Origin. When we played together, and then since then, we've just, I guess, bonded, you know. Been mates ever since then. I remember seeing him at the camp there. I was like, to him, you should come to Canberra one day. He's like, oh, I don't know, man, it's a bit cold down there. I'll never go there. And then a couple of years later, Look he came down. So it was, yeah, it was great, great to have him here at the club. And it's, yeah, we've just been mates ever since, so it's good. Yeah, looking back on the decision now, Emre, it's obviously one that you can you can say you've made the right call. And um, you, your coach back then uh, in the under-20s was, was Whitey, and he had some nice things to say after the game on the weekend as well. So you must look back at that decision and think, geez, I've, I've made the right call. Yeah, when I first come down, Whitey was really, really good with me. Um, he helped me out a lot in video sessions and stuff like that and really took my game to the next level. And um, he's he's really close with my family too. So when he seen my mum, my parents like that, you know, he really felt that too. And yeah, it was a good, good experience to see how he reacted. Being an ethnic man myself, it's good to see a couple of Wog boys in the Raiders team. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a Turkish boy and a Serbian boy. You, you said off air there, Nick, uh, he's, he's instantly connected in New South Wales camp a few years ago for under 18s. Yeah, I guess we just like share the same interest. We just, you know, European like having a good time, listen to the same music, and... cars. I don't know, we just click straight away, you know, just bonded. <laughs> like snack packs. So really <laughs> <laughs> you both played soccer. What was it, the, the transition uh, to go to rugby league from, from the round ball? For me, it was just like, you know, sort of. Um, got a bit too big for soccer and like was always angry and that when I'd lose a ball and stuff like that so mum was like why don't you just try footy and then yeah never look back really it's ironic that you, you possibly come up against South Sydney in your second NRL game you're playing yeah. against guys that you would have um, trained with played with in juniors and things like yeah. that yeah coming up against a few boys that I've played with through my juniors and um yeah, and a lot of guys that I've looked up to, you know, so it's, yeah, really exciting. Now you've had a taste of first grade. 
is it something obviously you want to stay there now and do everything you can to just stay in that top 17? Yeah, obviously, like everyone wants to play first grade, you know, so hopefully I just keep training hard and, um, yeah, hopefully keep playing. Just on that, mate, you played fullback for a few weeks. Ricky came on last week and said he wanted to move you back on the wing to so you can enjoy yourself at the end of the year and he, without embarrassing you, he kind of mentioned we don't want to weaken his strength too much. The way you finish, the way you do those carries out of danger. What was your experience like at the back there, mate? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a bit different position to wing. You did more, more Ks on the legs, I guess, and a lot more running and just a lot off the ball running. But, yeah, it's something I enjoyed. It was, I haven't been there for a while, so I enjoyed that. I guess just got to, for that position, just got to improve more and just probably get a preseason under my belt. But, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good fun. It's a bit of a game of chess back there, isn't it? Yeah. Did you enjoy that role, having more of a voice? or Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's a bit more. different. It drained you a little bit, but I guess... Um, yeah, just a work in progress. It's just something you just always got to work on, just counting the numbers, just always being loud, vocal to the forwards. So they know where you're going. It's just something, yeah, just yeah, something you just got to work on a little bit, but it's, yeah, it's good fun. You're now approaching, mate, the end of your second full season in first grade. Do you, do you think that you've um, established yourself in first grade now or do you still think you're a work in progress? Oh, I don't know. I guess still a work in progress. I just can't believe how quick those seasons went. Like, I just remember debuting last year like it was yesterday and it's already nearly my second season done. Just fly, so yeah. Score a little bit of improvements too, but yeah, can't wait for next year. Plenty of highlights for you this year, including um, an opportunity to, to go into the Blues camp. Um, I mean, that must have been pretty special for you to spend some time around that quality of players and a, and a coach like Brad Fittler and, and be uh, part of um, that experience with a, with a view to try and get there um, maybe next year. Yeah, definitely. It was a great experience for me um, to hang out with like the boys like that, such talented players, and um, just to see what it's about, origins about, and. Yeah, it was a great experience. I loved every minute of it. I guess just want to make you work harder for the next season ahead. Just keep trying your best and just... Was it tricky leading up to that, Nick, in that camp? Because there was a lot of speculation out there in the media. How did you handle it? Did Ricky come to your shoulder and say, look, keep your head out of the papers? Did he keep you grounded in there? Or how did you uh, approach that situation when there was all that hype about you getting picked? I guess I just really didn't really read the newspapers or stay out of the media. I just didn't really like read about that stuff. I was just worried about just playing for the Raiders each week and just focus. that was my main focus. I didn't even... To be honest, I didn't even look into that. Like, I didn't even... You were happy as hell just being part of the group, weren't you? Yeah, it was fun. It was a great experience for me, especially the age I am now. So it was just good to just be around that and just see what it's all about. It's beautiful. Awesome. All right, boys. Well, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. Very special guest, uh, the son of the founder of the Canberra Raiders, but we all know him as JR, a.k.a. John McIntyre. John, thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much. Uh, my pleasure. How did the idea come about to conceiving the Canberra Raiders, of course? Queenbeyan and Canberra, strong rugby league town. And whose idea was it to go, hey, let's get a team running around in the Sydney competition? 
Uh, well, it was a it was a combination of um, uh, of Les um, Les McIntyre and um, and Don Fina Senior, and um, it really that it was sort of um, based really on the fact that at that point in time, Queenbin Kangaroos and Queenbin Blues were dominating the competition, uh, the Group Eight competition as it was then, and they the thought was there to and Don Ferner obviously had um, had a coaching stint with Eastern Suburbs in Sydney uh, in the early 70s. And uh, when uh, Illawarra uh, were admitted as the 13th team for the um, kick-off of the 1982 season, uh, that sort of it gathered momentum then and it was decided to put together a submission to the New South Wales Rugby League General Committee, as, as it was uh, at that time. History tells us that, uh, I think it was about the 31st of March, uh, 1981, uh, it was agreed that um, Canberra would uh, be the 14th team in the New South Wales Rugby League competition. Can you still remember the moment when you got the call back from the New South Wales Rugby League saying, you're in? Uh, I remember it. Um, I was at a conference in Brassy House at the time, and uh, when I got the phone call uh, uh, from uh, from Les to say that they'd gained admission, and uh, I said to Les, um, I wouldn't mind uh, becoming the first uh, manager or secretary, uh, which then became general manager and nowadays CEO. Dave Grant. Was uh, at the Tigers at the time. How was the uh, the approach to get uh, Big Dave Grant down here? Uh well, the um, the, the funny story at that time was um, when Jack Gibson wrote uh, about later on about the signing of Terry Regan. Uh, what are they doing starting a zoo up there? But uh, Don <laughs> Ferner, having been an old Balmain boy, always uh, used the um, the saying that he was making Balmain a much better place. <laughs> What was the vibe like around town? Obviously, marketing teams were starting to build that buzz. And what was the challenges also, too, before a ball was kicked in 82? Well, there was a survey done before the, during, as part of the submission process where we found we had a grassroots uh, support base of about 6,000 um, people who were, uh, undertook to follow the, uh, a, a team representing the, uh, mm. the district in the, uh, in the Sydney competition. Uh, the rest of those crowds, which we, I think in the first year, first couple of years, we averaged 13 or 14,000. The rest of them uh, they, they were uh, people who followed the opposition team and uh, if uh, Canberra weren't playing that team of their choice, the opposition team, uh, their first choice team was Canberra. So you had, um, you know, the, at that time, uh, the still... Most popular teams are um, uh, Parramatta, uh, South Sydney, and the Dragons. Were um, you know, they had they had it, the highest level of following of any of the other teams. The jersey. Now, there's a really good story about that. You guys put out a, a competition and uh, and the whole jersey. How the emblem come about and why the Raiders as an emblem as a mascot. Ah, uh, well, you've had to take them the mascot the. Um, yeah, the Raiders, um, as sure as I can be, that was based on a, uh, a visit by Don Ferner Senior to uh, the Oakland Raiders NFL team at that time. Okay. And that was something that um, Canberra Raiders and um, 
uh, you had playing in our in the local competition. You had uh, Woden Valley, and they had that now. Uh, Woden um, had that sort of Viking yeah. theme about it, even though they were called the Rams. The uh, the, the district of Woden uh, pretty obviously had a, a had a, uh, uh, a Viking type of ring to it. So uh, the design of the jumper. First off, um, the, the Raiders wanted to wear uh, bottle green. Uh, with the uh, with a, an array of other colours like blue and gold was the ACT's official colour. They were told point blank that they couldn't use the bottle green because that was the property of the Australian mm. Australian jumper. So a competition was uh, conducted in the local community, and um, as it turned out, the uh, the winner happened to be the. Uh, uh, the maiden name of uh, one of the uh, one of the gentlemen who were on the board of the Raiders. So, uh, uh, whatever pro- that while those colours were chosen, because mm. uh, it, it was the best, and, and the, the, they put up the best argument about mm. the, the green and the blue and gold with the, and throwing in some white as well, because mm. it was, you know, North Canberra played in a in a white jumper. In the old Group Eight competition, yeah. So there was no uh, no prize given other than the the, uh, uh, the the lady that put in the submission had the satisfaction of seeing those colours run around. Excellent, uh, but she doesn't doesn't get a prize, but she gets uh, the bragging right of saying that she well, invented the Raiders jersey. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And there's not too much wrong with that anyway. What was it like once the balls kicked off? Was it was there high pressure times? Was it pretty much did it run itself, or what was it like? on an administration level opposed to, say, a football level? Oh, well, you know, like, um, I had a lot, lot of involvement in the, in the recruiting at that time and um, a wonderful late mate, um, the legendary Peter Moore, sidled up alongside me as um, he did with people from time to time uh, and whispered in my ear uh, over at Seaford Oval watching uh, Canterbury... Um, Flogging the Raiders, and he said, "Matey, um, you need a class player." And um, you know, we we set about um, looking for a, uh, that class player. In fact, in one year, uh, I uh, sent a talent scout, a fellow named Louis Newman, who played for Eastern Suburbs in the second row. Uh, I I sent him to South Africa. Uh, looking for talent over there and um, there was pretty obviously a uh, highly talented uh, centre, goal-kicking centre, Danny Kerber. Um, but uh, as it turned out, we couldn't afford him. JR, you mentioned a goal-kicking centre you had your eyes on in South Africa, which I fast-forward a couple of years to 85 after some some good parts of the season. 85, something was slowly starting to build. They could feel it. You get this wave to sign a bloke called Malcolm Norman Meninga well he was known because he was in the 82 Kangaroo Tour we saw him on the state games New South Wales v Queensland why and how Mal? Well we'd um, over the period leading up there we tried and and, and failed on a, a number of occasions we come to the conclusion that if we were going to attract that class player then we had to attract them to here before they were recruited by us, one of the Sydney clubs because once they got into the, in, into the Sydney um, style of living and mm. getting accustomed to that 
traffic and all that other stuff that you've got to put up with in the big cities. We targeted them. We decided we had to get somebody like a Queenslander or a New Zealander or somebody from overseas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, uh, 1985, we were successful, and uh, probably uh, what did help that in a long way was the fact that um, uh, that kangaroo tour, uh, Don Furner Senior, was uh, the Australian coach. Manly, Ken Arthurson was very, very keen to get Mal's signature. How, why was it that Mal signed with the Raiders? Unwittingly, uh, Arco did us a good turn. Uh, I was never the type of fellow that was ever going to put anybody under pressure and stand over them to sort of say, here, sign, if, so, you know, no such thing as my way or the highway or anything mm. like that. And um, uh, when proceedings had sort of reached to a stage where it was between Manly and Canberra, uh, Arco rang, uh, rang Mal and uh, gave him until nine o'clock the following morning to uh, give him a decision and uh, Mal just said to him, well... Um, I know where I'm going now. I know where you've made your mind up for me. I'm going to go to Canberra. Was there a sense of celebration when you uh, locked in Mal's signature? Yeah, we obviously we had a, a, a dinner to celebrate that, uh, that occasion um, with a, a few of the... Uh, the senior players that we had in the place at that time, but it was uh, we, we we knew that that was the start, and, and that um, we were very confident that Mal was the fellow that uh, everybody wanted to play alongside. Wow, Gary Belcher comes that year. Gary Coyne, a wave of Queenslanders make their way. Walters boys, the Walters boys. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jackson, Peter Jackson, they all come down. Those Queensland boys up north were really good blokes and they really fit into what they were building here. Yeah, well, it was one of those things, I suppose, that um, uh, because they, they either played together or against each other in the Brisbane competition mm. in the main and uh, that sort of meant it was a lot easier to uh, for them to settle in into here and... Uh, uh, the majority of them set up residence here in Queenbian and uh, Queenbian was more of a country town and um, you know, they were only f- five minutes away from everything. You know? I know that uh, Gary and, and Mal had a, they shared an apartment or they were neighbours at an apartment over the road there. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. Um, apartment block that's still there. In fact, um, I think there was also Jay Hoffman um, was living over there and in fact, um, uh, quite a few. Um, could probably go through them. Um, Mal's first was born in Queenbian. Uh, Ryan Hoffman was born in Queenbian. Mm. Adam Ferguson was born in Queenbian. Uh, Matthew Grant mm. was born in Queenbian. Wow. Uh, there are probably others. The Bellamy. Yeah. Be- um, kids born here. Bellamy, uh, daughter, uh, daughter born in Queenbian, and I think, yeah, and the son. Yeah. Both, both son and daughter, yeah. yeah. We spoke of that wave of Queenslanders and uh, South Brisbane, of course, uh, where Badge and Mal were from. Their coach, Wayne Bennett, uh, he came to the club in 87. How did that all come about, JR? Middle of 1986, uh, I got... W- wind of the fact that there was a bit of a um, a problem within the coaching ranks and um, 
I pointed that out to Don and said, you've got a problem with your staff, um, it's up to you to sort it out. And uh, when I sort of went home and had a bit of a think about it, um, I thought, because um, I'd just given, at that time, extended Don by another year. Mm. And um, I thought, well, hang on a minute, uh, there's a problem and uh, I could sense the problem with the way the team was performing around that time. And that uh, prompted me to ring, ring Wayne Bennett and... Um, I called him uh, one afternoon and um, said, asked him um, if he had much on in the next few days and um, his, his response was nothing much and I said, well, I've taken the liberty of booking you an airfare air flight to Canberra. I want to talk to you about coaching a football team for the rest of your life. Wow. That was, that was my conversation with him. Yeah. So you flew him down and... Pretty much sorted itself out, the deal? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was always been stood by my word. Uh, we had, I had a handshake agreement with Don. And I said, well, what I want to do is bring Wayne Bennett down here for a year. It's his first year coaching at that level. You two have known each other most of your lives. Uh, you get along pretty well. Neither of whom have got an ego. That mm. was a very important thing at that time. And I thought um, they could handle the sort of um, the coaching role together. Um, Don being the experienced man to look after the media and, uh, and, and Wayne to look after the football team. Uh, we were rubbished unmercifully by the, uh, by the Sydney press. And lo and behold... Um, uh, between the pair of them, they win the the Coca Cola Coach of the Year award, Joint Coach of the Year, and they make their club made, and made the, and made the eighty seven grand final. Made eighty seven grand final. Yeah. What was that like at first on a on a McIntyre family level, seeing our baby, the Canberra Raiders, on the big dance in eighty seven? Uh, that's um, you know, we realised that. You know, well, we were very patient. Uh, five years of hard work um, come within within a forward pass of probably realising our first uh, first grand final win. Nothing's changed, has it? Nothing's changed. <laughs> For now, the every town, time I, Every time I run into uh, Michael O'Connor, I refer to his his nose being about three me- three metres offside. <laughs> Eighty-seven grand final. Dean Lance coined the phrase that uh, Canberra now has a soul, JR. Oh, the street parade was just absolutely amazing. Uh, there were people there that had probably never, ever been to a football game in their lives. And, uh, and in fact, I know one family, um, um, retired gentleman who was uh, the Surveyor General for New South Wales and, and, and lived, in, um, lived in Red Hill. Mm. Was standing not far from St Christopher's Cathedral as the uh, as the street parade passed through. Mm. Yeah, so um, yeah, that and that really sort of from then on, you know, so uh, we we became a force. Some dramas in regards to the coaching situation. The Brisbane Broncos get a license to play. Porky Morgan comes down to Canberra with two bags. That's that's the old wife's tale. Knocks on uh, Wayne Bennett's door there at, at Fadden Pines, 
and signs him up. How did that all come about and for yourself? And obviously you, you asked him to come down and be the life coach here at the Raiders. A phone call from Les to say that the um, uh, the stockbrokers were in town at, uh, and uh, Ben had come and told him that um, that he wanted to leave. And I said, oh, well, yeah, that's a bit disappointing, but um, I'll be back home tomorrow. And he said, well, he'd arranged, uh, he'd spoken to Ken Arthurson and Ken Arthurson said, uh, uh, if Canberra got to have a legal and binding contract with Bennett to sign to play coach the Raiders, then uh, they'll stand by us all the way. So I said, OK, and he said, and with that in mind, there's a meeting in the um, boardroom of the New South Wales Leagues Club tomorrow morning at 10am. I'd, I'd driven to Newcastle, so I came back from via, via Sydney for the, uh, for the meeting. In the meeting was um, Ken Arthurson and John Quayle, Paul Mor- Porky Morgan, Porky Morgan, Barry Moranta, and another gentleman, uh, uh, an accountant whose name escapes me, uh, and Wayne Bennett, of course. Uh, then we had Jim Woodger uh, and Les as chairman. Jim Woodger is the uh, principal of the major sponsor, uh, and myself. Ken Arthurson went to open the meeting, and I said, well, Ken, excuse me, but before you um, open the meeting, uh, Les said that um, you said that by if the Raiders have a legal and binding contract with um, Wayne Bennett to coach the Canberra Raiders, then you'd stand by us all the way. Uh, and he said, yes, I said that. So I turned to Wayne and said, now, Wayne, have you got a legal and binding contract to coach the Canberra Raiders for the next three years? He said, I certainly do. I turned to Ken Arthurson and said, well, Ken, what can you do? My suspicion is nothing other than giving us moral support. And he said, well, yeah, that's about right. And I said, well, would you mind leave us with the Brisbane people and we'll negotiate? Well, in fact, there was nothing in writing. It was a handshake. Mm. In fact, in all the coaches that the Canberra Raiders have ever had, and certainly in my time, there was never, ever a contract. The peculiar thing about the whole damn unfortunate set of circumstances from our point of view was the pressure that was on the Broncos was uh, if Wally Lewis said, if you don't have Wayne Bennett as coaching, I won't be playing for the Broncos. Of course, 1988, uh, first year, it was a lot of pressure on the club because they always said uh, in rugby league terms, once you lose one, you're going to lose one to win one. And everyone was like really looking at the Raiders to, to win a premiership. And that team they had was outstanding. And Sheenzy took a few risks. There was a young bloke called Ricky Stewart that came aboard and Laurie Daly, Bradley Clyde, Glenn Lazarus, these young boppers coming through locally that were grown here. He gave them all a start. Didn't let them down. They were just outstanding. A family perspective we spoke about He's our baby Raiders, our baby, making the 87 grand final. What was it like in 89, J.O., when he's won the first competition, the first team ever to win outside of Sydney, to win in those circumstances against Balmain in extra time? You know, we've spoken about many times, the whole rugby league world's spoken many times, 89 was the best grand final. What was it like on that Sunday night, on that day? Well, on that Sunday night, I was probably still in a state of shock uh, because up until about... I was in uh, 
the Sydney Cricket Ground Trust box uh, with sitting alongside Bob McCarthy and um, we were behind and um, with about three minutes to go and it had a fair bit to go before I got down to the to the tunnel. I, I asked Bob McCarthy, I said, have you seen an unluckier team? He said, yes, 1969 South Sydney against Balmain. <laughs> and to get down there, get down into going on to the tunnel just in time to see Chica Ferguson put the ball down. Wow. And from that minute, Onwards, I virtually was in a state of sort of um, disbelief. You know, yeah. you couldn't believe. Um, so, yeah. And then when you heard that, hear that siren go. Yeah. No, it was that absolutely. Goes over yeah, absolutely that try. yeah, absolutely fantastic. You know, wow. So, um, so I was, you know, probably half an hour or more before I um, went back up and. Uh, my wife gave me a hug. It was one of those moments for every Canberran, even if you weren't really on board with the Raiders, remembers that time of '89 mm. winning the premiership. Yeah, it was just such a such a big thing for our community. And of course, Dean Land coined the phrase in '87 that Canberra now has a soul. Mm. By 1989, rugby league wasn't known as that uh, town full of politicians. Oh, it was known as yeah. a town because that yeah. was what housed the Canberra Raiders. 89 to 90, we decided to leave Seaford Oval to go to Bruce Stadium. How did that come about, and was there was it always a positive reception from the Raiders fans? Pretty obviously, uh, what was happening, uh, our crowds, we were we had car parking difficulties at Seaford Oval. Uh, we also, to maintain that level of income and reducing the dependent on the gaming machines and through the licensed clubs mm. we needed more corporate support and it was pretty obvious to us that your level of corporate support in playing in the nation's capital was going to be a lot better than it was playing in Queanbeyan. Mm. In fact in the first year 1990 the corporate support from playing at then Brew Stadium was $2.2 million. Mm. Our best ever at Seaford Oval was 885000 Wow. So, you know, our case rested fairly comfortably at that time. worth the move. Yeah. Jay, just before we move on to the set of six, I wanted to ask you about a couple of little uh, things that have come around, little wives' tales that's come through the Canberra supporters' base. Cam Smith, was he ever linked to the Raiders? No. His, um, his father was. His father was chairman of Logan Brothers mm. at the time that we took over uh, Logan Sports and uh, Logan City Bowling Club, which is now Logan City Sports Club. Mm. Uh, and the, 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 the club su- supported, back then, supported Brothers. But no, Cam, other than being sort of um, behind the son of a mate, uh, that's the only... Because there was that rumour he was linked to go to the Raiders, but News Limited intervened and said, no, you're not going to the Raiders or the Broncos, you're going to this new team we're putting together called no. the Melbourne Storm. Nah, not, um, certainly never ever. No, he was, um, in fact, if he was going to go anywhere, it was going to be the Broncos. Yeah. 
It was uh, some look. It was messy circumstances for some people at the time, but without talking about that, the moment when Ricky Stewart signed to come back to coach players, guys that grew up, people that grew up, supporters that grew up. I, me personally, when 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 Sticky and, and Bradley Clyde left the club, I thought our identity of the Canberra Raiders took a big hit. And then a year later, we actually even changed the jersey into that bottle green that was the original. And the Raiders' identity kind of went out the door a little bit. And by the time that Laurie and Fernsey and, and Mullows left as players, it kind of really took off. And it wasn't until... And that's no disrespect to the likes of Toots and, and Ruben and, and Statue DeVico and, and guys that really held the club and Shafosky, they went really, really well. But the moment when Ricky came back to coach, I really found that the Canberra Raiders had kind of almost found its soul again. There were any number of times that um, I was hoping that the, that the the stars would line up so that, like when Matt Elliott left, um, but then there was an overlap. But, you know, the job was always going to be there for him. But while ever, once David Ferner was put in, in the job, while ever David was there, Ricky certainly wasn't going to be the one that replaced David Ferner. Yeah. Uh, and um, I suppose I can say with a fair bit of pride there's my history I didn't sack a coach uh, uh, that um, it was time for me to step aside and let somebody else take on the job But having said that as much as it would have been a difficult experience for you to see Dave move on on the same token it would have been uh, blossomed with the fact that Ricky comes back to the club yeah, it's sort of um, it's it's a situation. I would like to have been able to say that I did it myself, but um, you know, I was I still maintain a very very strong association with Rick, known his family. I've known him all his life. Okay, yeah. let's do the uh, Forever Green set of six. First question, Jr. What are you doing with yourself now these days? Well, I'm. Uh, I'll give you my card on the. Uh, I remain chairman of the group. Um, the United Group? Secretary Manager of Queenbean United, which is the ultimate controlling body. I remain Chairman of Queenbean Leagues Club. Your favourite memory of the club? That extra time of the 89 Grand Final. Um, probably the extra time of the 89 Grand Final and um, a couple of nights later, overhearing a very young Kevin Walters at the Prime Minister's Lodge where Kevin looked out across this marvellous spread of sandwiches and um, you know, refreshments and so on for the the only rugby league team in the history of Australia to be uh, hosted to a reception at the Prime Minister's Lodge. The very young Kevin Walters said to Prime Minister's wife Hazel at that time. Gee, Mrs. Hawke, you must have been up all night making sandwiches. <laughs> Good on Kevy. <laughs> Favourite player? You might have one in each era. Oh, um, like a triple dead heat plus one. Ricky, Laurie, and Bradley, you know, with breathing down their neck, as the bloke I sat alongside in an aeroplane four times with his arm in a sling. And then later, uh, you've got Reuben Wiki, favourite fun player, without a dispute, Terry Regan. He's a he's a story in himself. 
Well, having said that, uh, funniest moment at the club? Yeah, probably a funny one was uh, was back a fair bit. Um, we go over to Seaford Oval and um, 1987, Wayne Bennett's um, on the sideline and uh, I walked over to him, stood alongside him and um, he knew that I'd uh, been renegotiating Gary Coyne's contract. And he asked me, he said, how'd you go with Coyne? And I said, oh, well... Yes and no. I said he's. Um, I've made him an offer and told him the figure, and um, and I hear this voice that I hadn't seen, and uh, sitting underneath in the dugout. Gee, I'd sign for that. I'd be most happy. It was uh, Steve Walters, <laughs> and I just went and grabbed him by the by the jumper and said, "Come with me." <laughs> Straight back to the office over here and signed it. So that that was a sort of a a funny sort of situation. A conversation that he shouldn't have overheard, but which at least I was able to turn it into a positive. What advice would you give to the current day Raider, JR? Listen to your coach and be kind to your mother. Last question. John McIntyre, what does the Canberra Raiders mean to you? Family first, but breathing right down their neck is the Canberra Raiders. Yeah. John yeah. McIntyre, thank you very much for joining us on okay, the Online Podcast. Yeah.